Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you two sober chicks. Yep, it's playing. Ah, <laughs> uh, welcome to April 17th. I was not going to record anything today. That little banging around you heard was... Um, forgive me, I have a headache, and I didn't think I was going to be recording tonight, and uh, I just started writing and realized I had to record this. That banging you heard was my headphones, which are sitting in my laundry basket, which I obviously cannot hear my own intro when I plug in my headphones, um, unless I have the headphones on my ears. But I had three piercings put in my ears recently, one in the forward-facing helix on my right ear, which is right up in the ridge, and the other two are in my ear lobe. So now I have three on my left and two on my right, and they're still very sensitive, so I can't wear my headphones. Um, and I'm currently sitting in just underwear on my closet floor looking at my laptop, and I have the microphone in front of me. So I just had to make sure my intro was playing. Anyways, this podcast. Okay. Um, this was supposed to be part four of the Forward Journey series, but what came to me tonight is the title of this podcast, You Are Being Lied To. And what I mean by that is the biggest liar in your life is you. And the person who is the victim of all of these lies is also you. Because think about it for a minute. We all have scripts running in our head 24 hours a day, but I bet at least half of those, especially for people in new sobriety, are lies. Um, For example, some of the lies that have gone through my head uh, a long time ago and recently are, uh, I'm better than her. I should feel embarrassed about my relapse. I should feel ashamed of my secrets. I can't do this. I deserve better than this. She's out to get me. I can't make it. My kids hate me. My friend is mad at me. He will never love me. He never did love me. My parents were awful parents. I was a bad kid. I am stupid. I am ugly. My life would be better if I was him. My life would be better if I was her. My life would be better if I had him or her. I'm going to get coronavirus. My family is going to get coronavirus. I'm going to be poor. I'll be happy when I have more money. I'll do it tomorrow. Like that's just a small sampling of a lot of the lies that run through our heads. So my encouragement today is pay attention to your scripts. Maybe even write down a handful of them and look at them. What do you see? How many of them are lies and how many of them are things that might not happen? Maybe rewrite some of them. This can be a really powerful therapeutic endeavor or at least reword them a little bit. So maybe they could look something like this. Uh, Maybe you're a churchgoer and you think people are judging me because I'm divorced That could look like, and this is something I've gone through, I'm so lucky I was married. Lots of people don't get that option. And I think back to my wedding day, which is still, I'm divorced, but I look back on my wedding day and that was one of the best 
days of my life. I absolutely loved it. And just because I'm divorced, it doesn't change that. Um, You could have a script in your head that says, and often this is a big deal for men, men have a very different feeling towards success and failure than women do. We feel it, but uh, I understand the spirit of a man, I think, very well, um, just because it's one of the gifts I think I've been given. It's why I work so well with men, even though um, I have never had a male sponsee. Um, But I like to work with first responder men, PTSD, uh, sufferers that are men. I I go into male prisons, never female. It's just something I feel like I'm gifted with because I understand – for me, I understand my femininity and what's it, what it brings and how to harness it. And I feel like I work well with male energy. And anyways, it's a gift I am aware I've been given. So your script could look like, I'm a failure. It could be written as, I'm so grateful that I learned those really awful, painful lessons because I will not make the same decisions again. I actually don't believe in failure um, as a concept because I don't believe we fail. We either learn or we succeed. (laughs) I think there's so much more learning in quote unquote failure, but I don't look at anything in my life as failure, not even my divorce, which still is painful for me, which there is still fallout from. I learned so much of who I am as a woman, what I bring to the table as a wife, what I'm going to look for in a partner in the future, what didn't work for me, how to look for red flags, what commitment means. Um, what vows are, what they mean, how do I value family, how do I value autonomy, Um, all of those things. You know, I was a high school dropout. Well, technically, I still am. But now I'm in graduate studies. And I now know how I would talk to young women, women, period, about dropping out of high school and what that could mean going forward. And these are like bits of wisdom I can pass on to other people now. And that for my future are really helpful rungs on the ladder. Uh, A script can be, I am ugly because I don't look like her, or I am not a man because I don't look like him. To, To look at it from a different perspective is, I bet there's a hell of a lot of things that other people would look at me and admire or want. Um, I mean, I can be down on my body and then I can see someone who has no arms and legs and be like, what am I even complaining about? Or I wish I had uh, her bum. I love my own bum, but I admire the big juicy bums of black women. There's nothing like them. I covet them. I want the apple bottom. I want the apple bottom jeans. They're just beautiful. Uh, Or I really love the very um, pulled and tight Asian eyes. the, the Asian eyes that Asian friends of mine that I know have had surgically altered. And I'm like, no, your eyes are beautiful. I mean, it's all how we look at other people and other people wanting to look like us and being grateful for the gifts that we have been given and the bodies we have been given on this planet. So the I am ugly one, I think everybody suffers from. And I bet you that there is uh, many people that look at the person that believes they're ugly and wishes they look like them or they spoke like them or they presented like them. Um, Here's one we're dealing with right now. Um, I'm going to get this coronavirus 
my family's going to get the coronavirus. My children are going to get the coronavirus. My friends are going to get the coronavirus and get sick or and die. The way to come up against this is, in which is the way we look at hopefully most things, I don't know what the future holds, but if someone I know gets sick, I will deal with it then. I mean, it sounds a lot simpler than it is to employ, but we have to cut off the lies right as they start because they will get traction. I look at the lies as um, one of my my first grand sponsor talked about racing thoughts, and she said, in the morning, your racing thoughts and your catastrophic thoughts are like a vulture that's sitting at the end of your bed, and it's just staring at you, waiting for you to just crack your eyelid, because the second it sees your cracked eyelid, it's like, oh, by the way, uh, remember what that person said to you last night? Oh, you got to cook breakfast for your family. You're not going to have enough time to get to work. I don't think we're going to be able to pay the bills this month, and just like on and on and on and on. If I give one fear, as a person that suffers with anxiety, if I give one fear a little bit of attention, it's like all the fears behind it are like, oh yeah, wait a second, me too. So we have to cut these things off right as they begin. This is what I have learned as well about my anxiety causing pain in my body. The second I start to feel pain in my body, I know that I have to start resting more and redirecting my thoughts away from things that are stressful. Because if I let it continue, the pains get longer and and stronger and more intense. Um, today's an example. As I was lying in bed, I'm feeling pain in my body and I have a headache and I know it means slow down. So tomorrow I'm going to take a Sabbath, which is a 24 hour period where I don't communicate with anybody and uh, I don't pick up my phone. Uh, here's a good one that a lot of people are upset about right now. The government is out to get me. I can't trust them and they're lying to me. A good way to rewrite this is, I will never know, most likely most of us will never know what goes on in higher levels of government, but I know that I have been protected from many worst case scenarios and I have to trust that even though I don't know as much as I want to know and I feel like things are being kept from me, what I do need to know I will be shown when I need it to. This goes back into a belief I have where I don't have to trust anybody or anything, I just have to trust God. And it's a huge weight off my shoulders. It took a lot of time. But really, I have to trust his plans and purposes for my life and pray to be shown through guidance and discernment how I'm supposed to go forward. I have to trust him that he's going to set off alarm bells in me. And when I know it's him, it's because the signal doesn't go away. If I feel an inclination to do something, if I sit with it and pray and say, God, please, if this is of you, please keep reminding me. And God does not yell or like he is not uh, violent and he doesn't lie. So when he does speak, it's soft and it's gentle and it's persistent. It's not violent and angry. He never leads through fear, ever. It does not lead through fear. You might have a gut instinct that something's wrong, but if you're terrified about something, it's not of God. Fear is a spirit and it's not of God. And this is where in the program it's very helpful to have a higher power because without it, I really don't know how somebody goes forward into things unless they label their higher power as their higher selves, which is like gut intuition and stuff like that. But because I have a strong God concept, I don't know what it's like to not have that God concept. Because when I didn't have the God concept, I was heavily into my addiction and felt alone and hopeless. So for me, not having God means no direction. 
And um, I'm sorry if somebody listening does not relate to that because I don't know how to help that person um, in that scenario. Um, Here's another one that I love hearing. All men are scum or all women are evil. I have several people in my life that are like, I'm never going to date again. All men are this. All women are that, which is so preposterous because that's not true. Everybody that I know that says that knows good people. So a good way to combat that lie is I know so many good people and I cannot possibly judge all of humanity based on experiences I have had with a few or several people, which, by the way, everyone I know that says that has been the reason that those people have been in their lives anyways. So maybe it's a case of your picker is off and you pick bad people, or you pick the wrong person for you, or you ignore red flags, or as my sponsor says, you paint the red flags green, or you ignore your intuition or your family's advice or your friend's counsel or your therapist's opinion, and keep going forward into these unhealthy relationships. Because the truth is, if you've dated 10 men and they're all scum, the common factor is you. Or if you've dated five women and they've all taken your money and broken your heart, the common denominator is you hard truths tonight. So, um, so many of these reworkings of lies take awareness and trust, and it takes time to reprogram our old scripts. The cool part of this is once we see the lie or the old script and we look into it, we can usually find a real gem underneath that says something about us because all of them are based in fear. And whether it manifests as control or insecurity or egotism egotism or judgment, the base fear is that we're out of control and we'll be hurt or somehow things are our fault that we're not worthy. And I think under all of that is that we all just really want to be seen and loved. So let me tell you something that I know for sure. You are seen. You are are important. I don't care if you are living in a tar paper shed in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. I promise you you're seen and you're important. You are precious. You are one of a kind. You are beautiful. And I know this because I believe God has given me a gift to glimpse his children in just like a fraction of the way that he sees them. And what I see, because I have asked God to see people through his eyes, and he's given me a heart for people, is that you are wondrous and a miracle and so worthy. If you are breathing, you are worthy. And that's why it's important that you are worth entering recovery because you are worth your own love and compassion. It's important to do the work of recovery because you are your own steward of God's holy creation here on this earth. You have been entrusted with that beautiful heart that's beating in your body and the soul and the spirit that come along with it comes along with and the beautiful way God made you and the things that you love and the people that you love and the things that make you excited and the things that make you cry. Those are unique to you. And so your responsibility is to take care of that. And in our addiction, so much of that is robbed from us and we are totally reprogrammed into seeing us 
as something other than we are or seeing the world other than what we are. And really, we see the world the way we see ourselves and we perceive everything by the level of perception we have right now. So everything is actually a reflection of how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. And if you're sitting there and you've been struggling with your addiction, you need to know that A, you're worth getting out of it, and B, the only part of that you have to do alone in saying enough to your addiction and yes to life, it's the only part of you that you have to do alone is to make the decision to stop the fight and to give in to the victory, which is recovery, which is an amazing life and bigger than you can ever imagine. The solution for everyone I know that has recovered from their addiction, and not cured, but recovered, very different. Cured means you could go out and do whatever you want with reckless abandon. Recovered means we no longer are a slave to our addictions. The solution for that is found in the 12-step rooms, whether it's Cocaine Anonymous, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Marijuana Anonymous. There's Emotions Anonymous. Like They're all the same 12 steps. All you have to do is do those 12 steps. It becomes a way of life so that it's not just you're not just doing it once. It becomes ingrained in you. And then you get to actually live your life and take care of yourself and have us take care of you and love you back into wholeness. That is a belief that I have that is as strong as that as my belief that God exists. And if you need support, there are rooms all over the place. Right now, there are Zoom meetings. Contact the AA office in your neighborhood or your city, um, and they can put you to other fellowships. But get online, Google, uh, email me or Lisa, twosoberchicks at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, twosoberchicks. Um, read our materials. You can read the big book and the 12 and 12 online. Go to aa.org or Google AA book online. It's all free. Get started. Reach out to your people. There are millions of us worldwide that would love to help you. And if you are in recovery and you're finding your program a little dead or you're finding yourself restless, irritable, and discontented, we're everywhere. Get on a meeting. Google recovery. I mean, there's no excuse in our modern day that you cannot connect at, at a minimum through a telephone with one of us. So I hope you leave this knowing and believing that you are seen and important and precious and one of a kind and beautiful. And if you don't believe yourself that you are those things, believe me, I'm very trustworthy. So believe the words I'm telling you. And I will be right back here with you tomorrow. Actually, no, I may not be back with you tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. When I do come back, it won't be longer than Sunday. And we'll continue with uh, part four of our forward series journey into the miracle of step 12. Thank you for being with me. Bye.